Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Appreciate the singing this morning and uh, how true those words are. We are a blessed people and uh, it's, I think it's imperative that we uh, keep that in the forefront of our mind, not just this time of year, um, but all around, all throughout the year. And uh, God's goodness is so overwhelming and uh, much of his goodness, I think we overlook a lot of times, but it is a good time of year where we uh, focus on those things and focus upon the things God has given us, which is everything that we have. And uh, we have, uh, when we truly begin to understand that, we can have no more, no other response than to be thankful uh, for the goodness God has shown us. If you have your Bible this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to John, John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10, and our verses will be 11, verses 11 through 18. As you find your place, I'll ask if you will to stand, stand with me in honor and reference to the word of the Lord. John chapter number 10, begin reading verse number 11. And these are Jesus' words. If you have a Bible that's a red letter edition, you'll see that these words are in red. And uh, these are words that he verbally spoke. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Father, we come before you, and God, we're thankful that we have the opportunity to pray. Lord, I love what Glenn said, and Lord, we come before you in just total dependence. Lord, that is the spirit of prayer. When we recognize, Lord, that we have no power, no ability within ourselves, God, and that you are our strength, God, you are our refuge, and Lord, you are our help. And Lord, we want to recognize that today. God, I want to recognize that as we open up your word to preach, God, for anything to happen in this time together, Lord, that equates to life change and to hearts being different. Lord, I have no ability to do anything like that. So Lord, I look to you for power during this time. God, I pray that you would engage us with the text of scripture this morning. God, that your word would go forth with your authority today. God, we would carry out our lives in submission to it. Lord, I pray that you'd help our hearts to rejoice in the fact that you are the good shepherd. Lord, help us to have a fresh understanding of what that means for our life. God, for the souls here that maybe have never been converted, never been saved, I pray that they would realize today that their eyes would be open to the fact that you are the good shepherd. Lord, you're worth trusting. Lord, you're worth placing everything regarding our life upon. And uh, Lord, I thank you for health and strength. Lord, I thank you for the freedom to gather today. I thank you for my church family. Lord, thank you for how you've blessed each one here with the gifts and how you've brought us together to strengthen each other and to serve one another. 
Lord, help us to carry forth as a church in a way that honors you and, and glorifies you. God, give us a unity, Lord, that would be pleasing to you. And uh, Father, ultimately, we just want to say we love you today and that we know it's because you first loved us. And we praise you and we thank you for that. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. As you've been with us on Sundays and the last couple of weeks since we finished in Galatians and even this, past, uh, this last Wednesday night, um, I've shared with you my heart as I prepare and in preparing for preaching revival this coming week, my heart has been stuck on this phrase really, or this idea of Jesus as the good shepherd. And of course that brings me to the passage of scripture where he explicitly defines himself as the good shepherd. Jesus made seven I am statements in the Gospels. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the true vine. And then we also have this occurrence here in our passage of Scripture where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Now, of course, Jesus is meaning much more here than he can take care of literal sheep well. Jesus there's a bigger picture, a bigger application to what Jesus is saying when he makes this, this statement. And I think understanding the fullness of this passage of Scripture, to understand the fullness of this passage of Scripture, we need and must go back to Ezekiel 34. And those verses of Scripture in the Old Testament, God declares through his prophet uh, his lack of approval upon the leaders of Israel in that day. And he said this in Ezekiel 34, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? The leadership of Israel that had ruled the nation, they ruled the nation with force and they ruled the nation with cruelty. They were not leaders as God had called them to be. In, those passages, in that passage of Scripture, you'll find that they did not, in, Jesus, or in that particular passage of Scripture, Ezekiel, under the leadership of God and God speaking through him, continuing the illustration, said that those shepherds, those leaders in Israel at the time, they did not heal the sick, they did not give strength to the disease, they did not bind up the wounds of the broken, and they did not go looking for the lost sheep. So that God declares in Ezekiel 34.10, he said, this is God speaking, says, Behold, I am against the shepherds. These shepherds were false leaders. These shepherds were destructive leaders. They did not have the genuine concern of the sheep at hand. But then God goes on in verse number 11 of Ezekiel 34, and God says this, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. So in essence, God said, I'll be a shepherd to my people since the earthly leaders had failed so miserably in doing so. Those earthly leaders were only out for their, their gain, their own advancement. All, they were very selfish. They did not really care about God's people. So then you take all that into account, and then you hear Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. Anybody in Israel who had any wisdom or knowledge of the Old Testament would have understood what Jesus was saying. They would have understood Jesus to be saying, I am the shepherd that God said in Ezekiel 34 that he was going to send. And unlike the corrupt leaders in Israel, Jesus says, I'll be a good shepherd. All those things that God 
called out the false leaders of Israel for in Ezekiel 34 for not caring for the sheep, for not healing the disease and binding up their wounds and not searching out the lost sheep. All those things that they failed to do, Jesus is saying, I will do those things. I will be a good shepherd. Those sheep in Old Testament Israel were in great danger because of the shepherds they had. Their shepherds were not going to care for them. Their shepherds were not going to watch out for them. So on the flip side of that, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, that tells you and I we are in good hands. Rather, we're in the best hands with Jesus as our shepherd. Jesus is a shepherd worth trusting yourself to. He's a shepherd that you can depend on. And he's a shepherd that you can confidently follow. And as we study these verses, I want to strengthen your faith. If you've trusted yourself to this good shepherd, I want to strengthen your faith in him. And if you've never trusted this shepherd, I pray that God, as Christ is exalted in these verses, that you'd be drawn to him. Put your faith and trust in him. So the question this morning is, why are we in such good hands? Well, Jesus is our shepherd. Well, first of all, I would say from 11 and verses 11 and 13 that we're in good hands with Jesus as our shepherd because the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. What primarily distinguishes Jesus as the good shepherd, as compared to all the false shepherds, the false leaders in Israel, is the fact that he has given his life for the sheep. And he will die, in essence. What he's saying is, I will die so the sheep don't have to. And what a picture there you and I have of the gospel. Jesus at this point has not been to Calvary yet, but he's going there, and that's why he says, I giveth our the shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus' death by nature was sacrificial in that he died so that you don't have to. He died so that I don't have to. And that's what primarily distinguishes him as a good shepherd. I love what Warren Wearsby said. He said, Under the old dispensation, the sheep died for the shepherd. In essence, talking about the sacrifices. But now the good shepherd dies for the sheep. What a picture there you and I have of the gospel in that the shepherd, the protection that he offers for the sheep, that he will give his life up so that they don't have to. And this means so much more in comparison to the, to the hireling or the false shepherd or the bad shepherd as he's brought up in verse number 12. But he that is an hireling, the shepherd that's not like Jesus, the one that has just doing what he's doing for a paycheck, the one that's been hired and placed over these sheep and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are, or not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling, again, using the imagery, the hireling has shepherd under him, but they're not his shepherd. Someone else has paid this person to step into this role, and now he's overseeing the sheep, but at the end of the day, he don't care about the sheep. So when danger comes, according to verse number 12, the wolf comes, and he's, he doesn't care about... Basically what happens is the shepherd, this, this hireling, takes off running and says, every man for himself. And what I read about sheep is sheep, they were helpless. If the wolf came for the sheep, sheep are not very powerful animals. They don't have a lot of attack attacking power. In other words, a wolf versus a sheep, a wolf will win every time. The sheep need the shepherd, or they are in, they are going to 
be destroyed. They are going to become prey to the enemy. And this hireling, when the wolf comes, when the danger comes, he flees. As compared to the good shepherd who will give his life to the sheep. The bad shepherd, when the wolf comes, gets out of the way. The good shepherd, when the wolf is coming towards the sheep, if they're over here, the shepherd gets in the way, and the shepherd will stop the wolf, the good shepherd. Why? Because according to verse number 13, the hireling, he's exactly that, he's, he's hired. He don't really care about the sheep. Jesus will give his life for the sheep because he cares for the sheep. What a humbling thing to be reminded through this imagery, through this illustration of Christ's care for you and I. That he would die so that you and I don't have to. That he would step in the way of danger. You see, because sin brings destruction and sin brings consequences. And because Jesus cares for you and I, He will not allow the, the wolf of sin, so to speak, to just take us over and to destroy us. But He steps in the way and gives His life for us. If we continue to apply what Jesus is teaching here, we see the contrast between Him and the hireling, the person who does not care for the sheep. And we understand that in, our, in the moment where we need our shepherd the most, he will not forsake us. Whereas this bad shepherd will. When the sheep need that person the most, he's not going to be there. But our shepherd, when we need him the most, he will be there. Jesus takes an interest in you and I. Jesus is concerned about us, and Jesus is protective over his sheep. We are in good hands with Jesus as our shepherd. I think the primary picture here is related to salvation. Of course, Jesus will give his life spiritually for you and I's sheep. But also, we know that Jesus is the good shepherd because he will bring in other sheep. says in verse number 14, I am the good shepherd, he says again, and I know my sheep and am known of mine. There's a very intimate relationship that's shared between Jesus and his sheep. He's among his sheep and he has this personal relationship with them. And that's what we get to share through the gospel is a personal fellowship with Christ. He knows us, and I like how Warren Wiersbe pointed out that that means he knows how best to minister to you and I. Every sheep will be a little bit different. As some commentators point out, some sheep may be more scared of one thing than the other. Some sheep may like one particular setting better than the other. And Jesus, as our personal Savior, knows these things, and he knows how best to minister to you and I. I get to walk hand in hand with Christ. You get to walk hand in hand with Christ. We, because of the gospel, get to share this personal fellowship with the Redeemer. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I emphasize this point here in verse number 16. Jesus said, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. 
Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Verse number 16, I think, will become very precious to you and I if we think about it very long at all. Most people, if you ask them their favorite verse, they're not going to think of John 10, 16. I would dare say, I've never heard John 10, 16 listed as a favorite verse. But I think if you consider what it's saying, it will maybe probably move up in your list of favorite verses. Because Jesus says when he refers to other sheep that he has, that he will, that are not of this fold, that he's going to get and bring them into the fold. Do you know who he's talking about? When Jesus is referring to other sheep, he's talking about me and he's talking about you. He's talking to a primarily Jewish crowd and what he's referring to is the fact that Gentiles will be included in the gospel message, that Gentiles will be included in his kingdom. And he is saying here as it would be taught more explicitly or even more explicitly as the New Testament unfolds in Acts, Peter is sent to a Gentile soldier and Paul was sent to Gentiles to preach the gospel. That verse number 16 is Jesus referring to the fact that you and I those of us who are not of Jewish descent are still included in the plan of God that Jesus' gospel message, the good news of Calvary, is speaking to you as well as it's speaking to the Jew, that he would go and get you and I and bring us into the fold. And in the context of this culture, Gentiles were looked at as dogs. They were looked at as unworthy in every sense of the word, that they were not deserving of God's grace, that they were excluded from the promises and the grace and the kindness of God. But here is Jesus Christ saying, I have other sheep that I'm going to have to go get and bring them into the fold. That's you and I. He's going to get and include in His great, wonderful plan. And we too will hear His voice. And there's a lot of truth in the final phrase of verse number 16. He says, there will be one fold and there will be one shepherd. We learn a lot there about the nature of God's family. There's not, there's not a fold over here that Jesus tends to more and then the rest of us are in a fold over here that maybe we don't get the mo- as much attention that Christ kind of leads this fold maybe to the better pastures and he says, well, they'll be all right over there. That's not how it operates. There's not the Baptist fold over here and then the other denominational fold over here. There's not one color of people in this fold and another color of people into this fold. God and the, through the gospel of Christ brings us all together into one fold and we're all one big family under our one shepherd. I think if we grasp a hold of what he's saying at the end of verse 16, it would stop a lot of the divisiveness that we experience within the family of God and even a lot of churches have a lot of divisiveness within them and that's not, the, that's not honoring God's word when there's disunity and disharmony among the people of God because we are brought into one fold. There's not one fold that Christ shows more attention to or treats more special than the others. It's one fold and there's one shepherd. Again, we honor God's word best and we honor Christ as the one shepherd. I think a lot of people look to a lot of things as as their shepherd, as their leader, as the thing that they are submissive to, but there's one shepherd. It's important to remember that me, myself, I'm, I'm not that shepherd. You're not that shepherd. 
You are sheep in the fold under the one great chief shepherd, and that's Christ. He's our leader. He's the one who cares for us. He's the one who watches over us. He's the one that protects us. And ultimately, he's the one who one day will take us home. We honor God's word and we submit to his will when we honor Jesus as the one shepherd. But also today we see that Jesus is, is an internal shepherd. He says, therefore, in verse number 17, doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down to myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. See, a lot of the harmony and unity between God and His Son and the work of salvation. See, Christ's deity and the fact that He lays down His life, that He can take it again. He says in verse 18, I have the power to lay it down, I have the power to take it again. He says, no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down. Yes, Christ was crucified at the hands of Roman soldiers. Yes, they beat him and hung him from the cross. And in that sense, he was crucified at the hands of men. But Jesus was not unwillingly hung upon the cross of Calvary. Jesus, in submission to the will of the Father, laid down His life. And in that, how we see the love of our Savior. And we see a lesson about how to respond to the will of God, and that's through submission. Christ willingly offered his life for the sheep so that they could have salvation, that they could have everlasting life. Again, I would say he died so that we don't have to. He got in the way of our danger. He, got, he stepped into the way of our wolf, if you will, which was sin. And he protected us. But you know, it wouldn't be super valuable, really, if we were to say, I had a good shepherd, or I would have had a good shepherd, but he died. Yes, he laid down his life for the sheep, but the good news for you and I today of those who trust him and follow him is that he took his life again, that he arose from the grave, that he's not still there. A shepherd that's in the tomb is not going to help you and I very much in the form of our danger, in the form of protecting us and guarding us and caring for us and binding up our wounds and being there to watch over us. I like what John MacArthur said. These words, these two verses indicate that his sacrificial death was not the end. I'm thankful this morning to trust a shepherd who's not laid in a tomb, but he's still alive and well to care for me, to protect me, and bind up the wounds that life often brings our way. 
Verses 15 and 16 of Ezekiel 34 say this. I will feed my flock. This is words of God. I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. So in Christ, when Christ says, I'm the good shepherd, all these things that God said he would do, he does through Christ. All this is figurative language. He says, I will feed the flock. I will cause them to lie down. God says, I will seek the lost, and I will bring again that which was driven away. Again, that's you and I. I will bind up that which was broken, and I will strengthen that which was sick. And he speaks of judgment when he says, I will destroy the fat and the strong. All those things that God is speaking of, he does through Christ. So if you need somebody to bind up your wounds, come to Christ. He's the good shepherd. If you need someone to strengthen you where you're sick, Come to Christ. He's the good shepherd. And ultimately, our response to Christ's words will be exactly what it was in the text. If you look in John chapter number 10, verse number 19, Jesus finishes speaking, and here's what happens. There was a division, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings. Some of the Jews says, He is possessed. Has he lost his mind? Why are y'all even listening to him? Why are you giving him the time of day? What he's saying is a joke. But then there's others. There's another crowd. There's the other half that says, these are not the words of someone who's demon-possessed. These are not the words of someone that has the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? If you go back to the end of John chapter number 9, Jesus performed a miracle where he healed a blind man. And that's... While that reference is there, they are more, they are receptive to what Christ is saying. And that will be our response today. Either we will, within our hearts, say, These are the words of someone who has a devil. Why do you hear him? Why listen to what he's telling you? Why trust in what he's saying? But then there'll be a crowd that'll be receptive and receive the truth that is given to you and I here in these verses of Scripture. I'd ask you, if you would, this morning to stand and mark, and our musicians, if you don't mind, to come around, and you can begin playing as you find, and take your place. As I studied these verses, I thought about, uh, and I don't know if it's still their slogan or whatever, but the Allstate commercials that say, are you in good hands? So I want to ask you today, to use a cultural reference, are you in the good hands of the Good Shepherd? If you're lost today and you've never put your faith in Christ and you need the Good Shepherd, ultimately the, the ultimate application of these verses of Scripture is that Christ died for you and you need Him as your shepherd. But also I think there's an application for those of us who have been saved, who have trusted Christ, that if you feel broken today if you feel burdened today if you feel sick and weak today and you need help he is your shepherd and he cares for you like nobody else cares for you I think it pains him to see you in pain 
He's a shepherd that will so tenderly come alongside of you and care for you. If you're under attack today, you feel like maybe your home's under attack today from enemies, temptations, remind you, he's your shepherd, and he's a good shepherd. He cares for you. Bring your burdens, your trouble, your broken heart to him and let him mend those things. Trust Him today as your shepherd. As Mark comes around and leads us, if you need to respond in this immediate setting of this invitation, please be obedient and do so. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.